Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lenny Walton. I don't have COVID. Uh, I'm Amity and I also don't have COVID as far as I know. Yes. You You took a test and it's negative. I have not done that yet. This week, before we even get started on all of the how we are's, we're going to be talking about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We're going to be talking about it as though it is not a sequel to a movie because we will be talking about Terminator in like a year. Yep. So look forward to that I've one. Never heard of that film. Before we get about. started on Terminator 2 Judgment Day, how was your week? It was weird. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. It was busy. There are strange people. I who are nibbling away at the corners of my time. I feel very much like I'm a character in one of the the oh films by the, the Scorsese or Polanski or somebody where they move into a new place or start a job and everyone there is unbelievably strange. Mm. And you have to interact with them. But you're kind of measuring yourself to interact with to, to sort of fit in. How how was your week? <laughs> uh, it was fine. I went away for the weekend. I don't know what happened while I was gone. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that you're feeling like you've got time piranhas on your tail. It's, yeah. It, we, or those little fish that nibble off through the dead skin on your feet. Well, see, the dead skin would be, getting rid of that would be useful, although I no longer have dead skin because I don't. Um... But Ooh, has somebody learned about exfoliating? <laughs> and constant lubrication. It's something I came out of the hospital with a uh, yes. I'm going to be a desiccated fossil. Yes, go ahead and careful. grease yourself up. <laughs> so, uh, anyhow, aside from my personal greasiness. <laughs> so let's let's uh let's get into this movie. All right. Um what is your history with this movie? You've seen this movie before. I saw this movie once before. Was it when it came out in 1991? Um, no, because we didn't go to theaters when I was a kid. I saw it Well, in 1991, later. you were 21 years old. Yeah, 22 years old. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, I saw it a little bit later. I know there was um, a lot of... Uh, it's one of those... Ex- when you don't have the experience that everyone else has with something, um, there are moments where you're thinking to yourself, why is that funny? Why is everyone laughing when... Yeah. Somebody says this, or what oh, is that? Oh, right. The Oslo Vista Baby, specifically, right. I'm like sure. That, but, I'll be um, back, and Oslo Vista Baby. I'll be back, I think, is more from the first one. Oslo Vista Baby is from this one. Well, that, or I didn't see Star Wars for years. And yeah, same. People would keep saying to me, I have a bad feeling about this. What do you. And then other people would burst out laughing and going, What is he talking about? Oh, right. It's a cultural osmosis thing. Right. Um, and then later on I learned, oh, that is, you know, depending on the situation, it can be very funny if someone right. says that. Right. Um, I, uh, I remember this film coming out. I remember all sorts of public rebukes from parents' groups and from studios who are claiming that at the time this was the most expensive film ever made. That's because it's a James Cameron joint, and James Cameron does nothing except make the most expensive film ever well, made. Yes, but this was the beginning of that. And so, being that this is a film that was $100 million to make, yeah, which is, I mean, is still very big. I was but, looking, large part of that, uh, it was um, Schwarzenegger made between 12 and $15 million. Right. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't make between 12 and $15 million. 
They bought him a jet. They bought him a jet that they could pay for over a period of years. That's how they financed his portion of the movie. So, congratulations. Here's a Gulfstream. That, uh... Because his, um... His ask had been pushed up to $11 million in total recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and they justified that at the time as he's popular everywhere in the world, so we're mm-hmm. gonna make this back. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's hard, not hard to come up with $12 million to hand over to one person in your movie. While simultaneously asking other actors to be in it for some money. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember that, though. That was a, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was being interviewed on the Today Show about how expensive the movie was, and he came up with a really fun response. He's like, Yes, it cost us $100 million, but you can see it for the same couple of bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, then, yeah, let the production side worry about it. Just Why am I and the audience worried about how much this movie cost? Um, and it's there. It's on the screen. It's on the screen, yeah. It's not one of those films where everything, well, how did, how did that wind up costing $30 million? So, um, I don't remember when the first time I saw this movie was. I definitely have seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um and I was excited to go into this watch of it. Right. But I gotta tell you, we were watching it with another roommate who loves it, was having a blast uh-huh. this whole time. Uh, I did not care for this film. Really? I did not care more. for it. I. I appreciate now that I've, first of all, I feel like I've been inundated with how epic this movie is for my whole, you know, for its whole life, at least. So it's been out for 31 years. (laughs) That's how long this movie has been out. Uh, And if you go to Wikipedia, there are 303 footnotes in the Wikipedia. Like, people have been talking about this movie for a long time and i might just be a little burnt out by it i appreciated in the reading in the wikipedia things like schwarzenegger worked extremely hard with um the stunt people and doing all of the stunt stunts and things over and over again so that he could keep his face neutral when there were explosions and shit going mm. on over all over the place, which I did not think about, and I think that that's a very impressive. Um, this movie has a, a man in it uh, that I have problems with, and that's Robert Patrick. He's a great actor. He's very good in this. I I saw him on the X Files, and I hate that dude. <laughs> like I said, he plays a fucking asshole all the time, and I'm just like, fuck this dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um. I think I've said this in the program before. My mom couldn't stand watching Peter Cushing. Oh, yeah. She could not. Because she saw him in a she's role like, first and that she painted him actually forever. It was, it, well, I mean, how many... You don't have to throw a rock to hit a, a Peter Cushing performance where he's scary. I know, yeah. But uh, her response to me was, he, you could, he's thinking something all the time. And he's one of those actors where you can see, like, the wheels turning. She's like, he's thinking something all the time, and the thoughts he's thinking aren't good. <laughs> like, well, that, that's actually, he would probably regard that as a good are compliment. Are you telling me that you are a diviner of other men's thoughts, ma'am? Because that's witchcraft and you're going to burn in hell. Um, 
So you don't, you didn't care for him this viewing? I thought it was fine, mm. but it wasn't mind blowing. It, it, I, the effects obviously are awesome and they do hold up. It's very much like watching a, a Jurassic Park now where you're just like, mm. holy shit. Right. Like they used enough practical and they were smart in their use of CGI that it really looks very good mm-hmm. even now, 30 years, 30 plus years later. Sarah Connor's arc irritates me because I don't know how the filmmakers want me to feel about her. And so I am left feeling a little bit ambivalent about her. Okay. If we are so in the first movie, from the first movie, yeah, right? and we're gonna not we're not gonna talk too much about right. the first movie, other than to say she is basically the hero of the first movie. Right. Now in this one, they take a lot of that heroicness away from her. They give her a weird machismo, but they take away her ability to follow through. And I think they do it so that the f- the male star that they have this time, which is Schwarzenegger as the T-800, mm-hmm. um, isn't emasculated by a strong woman, which is insane on two counts. One, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't think, is uh, as a man, mm-hmm. is concerned about his mm-hmm. masculinity. And two, that's not a man. That's a fucking robot. It's a cybernetic individual, whatever, whatever he is. Robots are people, too. Um, I also have, I'm not going to fuck with the time travel in this, because uh-huh. I, I I haven't seen the entire, or I, have, I have never seen Terminator Salvation, um, so I don't know the entire arc of their time travel story. I think right. that they fuck themselves in a lot of ways that don't that lead to big plot holes and and things that don't make sense they don't want to make sense but also don't then don't make it a time travel movie like if you don't care about this don't Mm -hmm. do it you didn't have to do it um but i find it implausible that a john connor from the future the humanity's only hope who knows that AI is what got everything into us in the first place, sends back a T-800 that has the ability to learn. That just seems like, oh, so we are doomed to repeat the mistake we made three and a half seconds ago right now because what the fuck? Like, I know why they did it. They really, like, uh, uh, apparently as they were, getting this movie ready to go the original idea was a two t-800s fighting each other it would be schwarzenegger v schwarzenegger mm-hmm. one's good one's bad which they end up using later mm-hmm. i believe but they decided not to go with that um, they thought it would be boring which is an interesting yeah the choices some of the choices they made on what they decided not to go with right are as interesting as the actual film itself so they were like well let's do a bad guy that is fundamentally physically different Mm -hmm. than Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Um, so they got Robert Patrick, who was in his 20s at the time and living in his car. So this is like a big break moment for him. So that's awesome. Right. Um, at this time, he's like beautiful. They were saying that he was like a combo between David Bowie and James Dean. And I can see that. Right. Uh, they wanted somebody who was very lithe. And they wanted somebody who would look like sort of like a fresh-faced new officer rather than this right. biker that, that Schwarzenegger ends up you know, looking like. And they, they, they achieved, I think they achieved that with, with Robert Patrick. Um, and also he had to do a ton of work. He worked out like four hours a day so that his stamina would be up so that he could tear ass running and not appear to be out of breath. Mm. I.e. not be out of breath because you can't not appear to be out of breath. You have to actually build up that stamina. Like there's not really a way for the human body to hide. (gasps) (laughs) You know, the 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 running so that's that's impressive um but what they do with sarah connor they i don't know if i'm supposed to think that she's a good mother if she's not a good mother i don't like that they have her son so attached to wanting to help her and save her and making poor decisions mm. like if her goal was to keep get him to not be reliant on her and not have her as a weakness she has failed if we're supposed to believe that she's a good mother she makes some decisions in this movie that prove that that's not the case i can't tell if she cares about her child as her child or just cares about her child as the only hope of the future of humanity those are different things Mm. I feel like because John Connor, JC, there's this no father in the picture. I mean, she wasn't, I mean, she was impregnated by a man, but he's not there. It feels like she is supposed to be compared to Mary, the mother of God, but she doesn't do anything remotely, I don't think, like Mary. No. (laughs) We see her throughout the beginning of this film working out, being tough maintaining her composure, all of these things, as soon as she sees Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, she loses her goddamn mind. I'm a little surprised they didn't show her actually physically urinating on herself. Because so she is on the ground and freaking right out. And I just, yeah, no, I know. Describing events so, I, yes, we're, we'll go through it. I, yeah. I just don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away okay. from this character. And I feel like they wanted to give her power, but then they wanted to take away enough of it so that she didn't overshadow the men in the movie. And I'm just like, that's gross and bullshit. So I just, I just don't, I feel like it's kind of a mess. It kind of doesn't know mm. what it wants to portray right. so it's just like look at this it is set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece like it's not boring right. but i don't think it fundamentally comes to anything i'm so, just looking at you thinking oh my god she's gonna run into goldfinger and that will be the end of it he will <laughs> i'll have to shelter the screen from you throwing things at it i won't throw anything I- but so to start with how does it start i don't even know if the first thing that we see is actually the future or if it's a dream Apparently, it's 2029 and Earth is a hellscape. But we already knew that that was going to be the case because... Oh, I guess are we supposed to come into this one after thinking we fixed it in the last one? Right. No, what we didn't fix... Because we didn't fix anything. (laughs) We didn't fix anything from the last one. That's right. Okay. Uh, We just survived. That was it. Of that film, Sarah Connor 
is going to Mexico making tapes, recordings for her son, in case something goes wrong. Right. So, she's suffering from some form of PTSD already. Of course. Yes. Which is Pushed fine. Into it now. Um, and the last thing you see is she's driving into Mexico. Oh, okay. And she's pregnant, Mexico, but right. she doesn't have a baby yet. Mexico is where everyone uh, runs when things go wrong. It's close. And, it's and this, they don't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> They're a little cooler about that than people along our border. But the, uh, the I remember that she's getting gas, I think, or, uh, filled up. And yeah. Somebody says, uh, Tura venga un tormenta, or something along those lines, a storm is coming. And she's looking at the sky and says, yes, a storm is coming. Okay. And that's like the final image of, yeah. of the film is okay. the fact that she's she can't prevent the apocalypse. Right. She can prevent it by giving birth to JC, yeah. as quote, who's going to end the rule of the machines. Right. Now, what we find out in this but film... But first he has to survive right. the so, rule of the machines. So what, what you're seeing, a lot of what you're talking about is her, as Edward Furlong's character says later in the film, getting together with everyone who could teach her something yes. about surviving. Yes, uh, so we know that firearms, she... firearms, or yeah. it's martial arts, or it's guerrilla tactics, or it's whatever, so that when... Because she knows that it's Is she to learning hit. all that? Is she also teaching yes. John that? Because she's, he doesn't seem to know a lot he of this. He, he's also... I, real quick on mm -hmm. Edward Furlong. I think he's great in this movie. Mm -hmm. I wish they didn't try and tell me that this character was 10 years old. I, because he's how old is he? 14. Okay. The actor is 14. He looks 14. He acts 14. He's 14. Just make the character 14. Don't make him this weird 10-year-old that no I one's ever seen. Like, I just, Edward I don't Furlong understand. had a lot of personality. I think he's and, probably the light of this movie uh, for you, me. There's a film, Pet Cemetery 2. Yeah. Which is not a great film. Nope, and we didn't even talk about it in our previous right, miniseries. Direct, I mean, it doesn't have no direct connection to Stephen King other than the fact that it comes from right. his material, but he's actually really good in it. I wound up watching the entire thing because mm. he was a compelling performer. He's very good, and I'm sad that he is faded in a way that a lot of child actors right. do, um, and I hope that he remains healthy and um, alive. Is, and alive, yes. Is, it's a good I had thought that he had passed away because I'd gotten him mixed up with Brad Renfro. Right, which is a... that That's really sad, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, we're, we're in 2029. Mm -hmm. Skynet sends back a T-1000. And that T-1000 is uh, nude. It's Robert Patrick. And he can make his... He doesn't have to steal his clothes. That's positive. Because... Uh, the T-800 that comes back does have to steal some clothes. And um, he's, it's, he's made out of liquid metal. He is a water weenie. He, that's the name, I think, that they used for the effect. He's the reason that they won two Academy Awards, right? Uh, this this uh, movie won um, Best Sound Effects, um, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound, and Best Makeup. That's this movie is a four-time Academy Award winner, and uh, he has been sent back to nineteen ninety. This is in the future, so the movie came out in ninety one. This takes place in nineteen ninety four because it's supposed to be ten years after right. the nineteen the effects of, of the, the events of nineteen eight in nineteen eighty four of Terminator One or the Terminator, I guess is the name of that movie. And once again, if it's ten years later. 
than Edward Furlong's even younger. He's like nine. There's no right, okay, gateway. But right. so that's just aggravating. Like you didn't have to do it that way, but whatever. So this time, instead of going after Sarah Connor, we're not talking about that. We're going after John Connor. John Connor is a he's in foster care. He's a delinquent. He's friends with a kid from Salute Your Shorts on Nickelodeon. That's what we know about him. <laughs> we know also that although the warfare and gunfire thing isn't, like, he's too young for it yet. Yes. But he is very handy with computers. Computers. He uh, he has a little, it's funny because it looks like a thing from the movie Hackers, and mm-hmm. it might be a thing from the right. movie Hackers, and it, it basically makes an ATM into a slot machine. Like, he can put a card in and just take money out. He's got these fake readers and things that he's messing around with. So, yes, he's very good with computers, which is why later, that's 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 why mm-hmm. we find out his future self has reprogrammed this T-800, this Arnold Schwarzenegger version of the Terminator, which is, I believe, the same Terminator from the, the same model the same of Terminator model, yeah. from the first movie right. to do anything that he says and to protect him. Right. Uh, which John finds out and has a little bit of fun with later. Uh, so these two Terminators come back. The T-800, Schwarzenegger's Terminator, has to steal some clothes on a bike from a biker. That's a fun scene. It felt like in this movie, Schwarzenegger was like, you're not going to see my ass? Don't even fucking ask. Because in this, the beginning mm-hmm. scene that he comes in, we see like mid-peck up. Thighs down, nothing in the middle, from the front or the back. Robert Patrick lands, crouches down, ass and dick available to see. I'm <laughs> just like, well, you're in your 20s and you live in your car, so these are the choices we make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm for it, by the way. I, I More just, front, frontal nudity by men in movies. Women have to do it all the time. Let's let the dudes do it. You know, I I'm pro- Full frontal. I don't know the last time I've actually seen full frontal nudity from a woman. This time. wasn't full frontal, though. This was right. like, you couldn't, it was... But what I mean is, uh, <laughs> from a woman, I haven't seen it in a while. It I has been, yeah. The standards have changed now to where it's not just automatic that you're going because to see... Because now a woman has more of a... a I feel like most uh-huh. actresses have more of a ground to stand on to say... No. Why is this necessary? Right. I just saw full frontal nudity in a movie on Hulu called... Um, Good luck, Leo Grand. Or good luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh And Emma Thompson stands nude in front of a mirror for a significant period of time. But it is a it is purposeful to the film. It is we're also looking at Emma Thompson as a woman of a certain age Mm -hmm. and that's part of the plot. Yeah. What I mean is that when I was a kid in the eighties. It's just tits because tits. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know why lesbian love scenes were so popular in the 80s and early 90s in films? Geared towards, like, action movies and whatever. Yeah. And it's like, two boobs good, four boobs four better. Four boobs better, yeah, right. There was it's just very that very animal farm that, mentality, right? Right. The, uh, uh, that also it was less threatening to men to see two women together or something. It was, it's... Looking at films now, it's changed so much that I don't remember the last time I saw it. And I think it's better because it was so exploitational. Yeah, and it's like point. so unnecessary ninety percent of the time. Yes, it's like why? Why does she have to run out of the shower? Why yeah, why does she? Why does she need to be? Why do we need to see her in the shower? Right. It's like there's a camera in her shower, or the, the, the point of view is from the inside of her shower, and then she runs out, and she's 
Working with a towel. Or it's from the bathroom itself. door and we see her yeah. in the shower and then coming out of the shower for no reason. Just to show she's a regular gal who showers like other regular gals. Well, I appreciate the, Thanks the hygienicness of these actresses. And I, maybe that's it. These characters are hygienic. They're absolutely they're really washed clean. themselves. Yes. Um, so but, a, yes, not so much for Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. His pectorals take up most of the screen anyhow. And his thighs. There's a shot of his like leg, his whole leg, uh-huh. and it is just meaty. I'm just like, damn. I mean, he was a he was a competitive bodybuilder, probably he was the clo- pretty close to this time right? still. His legs mm. are massive. So John is in LA with mm. his friend, skipping school, hating on his foster parents. Uh, she, Sarah, is in. They. <laughs> They put her in a place called Pescadero State Hospital, which is neither in Pescadero nor does it exist as a state hospital. Realistically, she would be in some place like a Tascadero State Hospital, but that's a men's prison only. But it is a, it is it is for the criminally insane, like it is mm-hmm. a mental hospital for those who have committed violent crimes. That is the Pescadero is way further north than these people end up going in this Pescadero. thing. Um, Which I have a strange love-hate relationship with. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You have experienced racism in Pascadero. I experienced some racism. <laughs> and it was um, Guy Fieri recommended a restaurant. And I went there with a friend. And was it like a diner's drive-ins and dives right, restaurant? One of those places oh, that he recommended. No. So we saw the sign in the window. We thought, okay, what? we'll go in there. And there was an older waitress who came up and saw the two of us together. And my Caucasian friend. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. And then walked over and told... This girl must have been 16 or 17. It looked like this was just the beginning of her shift there. She's like, you serve them. I'm not going to do it. And wow. me, I have, I mean, we didn't. Has even, that ever happened to you before? It's happened Some, before. Something like it's that? happened since. It happened okay. just recently, as a matter of fact. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, where, and it's one of those things where. It it's just, never been with me. I am a Caucasian yeah. woman that has gone to restaurants alone with you. And it's never happened to us. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm curious it about it because yeah, it's I, never. Right. Like in the 15 years that we've been going to restaurants together, mm-hmm. it's not happened. But that doesn't. Yeah. I, right. So that's just really it's interesting to those, me. It, it, it I guess I'm also, uh-huh. honestly, this is going to sound. Like I'm beating up on myself, but these people are fucked in the heads anyways. I'm a low value white woman because I'm fat. Oh. I don't I don't believe that, Uh but I don't believe anything that they believe. I don't believe that you are a problem to be sitting with a white woman. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you're with a high value white woman of a a breeding age, then then it's a fing problem. It's gross and I don't It was a really it was a strange kind of reminder that it still happens. And one of the things that uh, Chris Chris Rock used to talk about was there'll be instances in your life where you think you're okay and then somebody does something and you're just like... And you're like, oh, right, I live in a shit show. Everything is garbage. stabs me in the eye and I'm like, God Uh dang it, trusted Regis Philbin and he killed me. (laughs) And it was a funny bit, but yeah, I can understand it because... Because everything's fine until it isn't. And the problem is when it isn't, it can go very wrong very quickly and people can die. But uh, that's why Pescadero, I'm sorry for the digression, Yeah, is that's where that that's, happened. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a really nice town. Otherwise, the, I don't know. <laughs> oh, the only experience I had with Pescadero was mm. that was we had this thing when I was in um, middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we called it middle school, not junior high. <laughs> I was in the sixth and seventh grade. 
called um, Outdoor Education. And oh. for a week, you we went to the Pescadero Marsh where there's oh, like camps and lovely. stuff setting up. And you, you go, no parents or whatever. And it is like summer camp, but mm-hmm. it's school-sponsored. It's during the school year. It's the only way I was going to be able to go to summer camp. Summer camp is expensive. My right. parents didn't have parents that have summer camp money, um, but we went there, you know, and you like do forest activities and you put on a skit, like the whole of right. the, you know. So, but that's and 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 I remember it being in Pescadero, and then we would go like we went to tide pools one day. That's a big tide thing. The tide are pools really are cool. Great. Yeah, I saw a live octopus. Oh in wow! One of my visits afterward. Did you right. you didn't bring him home and make him your new best friend? No, I didn't because I felt like I wouldn't know. I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, you didn't want to kill just, him. Like, see them squirming around. Yeah. Like, um, when I went on trips with my parents and things, but I never could catch one because I, I like well. What is the salt water going to be like? Right. And it has to move the tide and it's eating little things that are moving around in the yeah. water and yeah. So. All right. Yeah. So. She's not really in Pescadero. She's no. in in an indeterminate um, mental institution somewhere slightly north of L.A. Um, and she is basically on lockdown from for the beginning of it because she's vehement and violent in her convictions about how she needs to stop Judgment Day, which is. Um, Supposed to take place three years after the events of this film, which is another reason I think it's being weird. You're calling this Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and it takes place in 1994. Judgment Day is August 29th, 1997. It does not take place in this movie. We see a couple of dream sequences, <sighs> but Judgment Day takes place three years after the the events of this film. Now, maybe. Mm. Joe Morton played a significant role in that, and Joe Morton uh, has a a bad time in this movie. So um, we see her acting out, and then later we see her tame, basically. And she is like, you told me if I chilled out for six months, you would move me to minimum security, and you'd let me see my son. That's been six months, and I have been model citizen and the doctor's like yeah i don't trust it you're not gonna get anything and then she jumps over the table because yeah that's about right but he's right but also she's telling the truth like she's not delusional so that's frustrating and by the way, we should mention the other big deal that happened around the same time Uh involved with this film other than the budget and arnold schwarzenegger and all Mm. was that Sarah Connor became very... Her role is very physical. Yes. She is ripped. She has about 1% body fat. Because she's still got breasts, Uh but that's about it. Like, she is... She has lost a bunch of weight, mm-hmm. and she is extremely they had her, muscular. Apparently, the actress working with an Israeli commando. Okay. And uh, just the exercising, the weightlifting, judo was another thing. That she's, she's doing. doing she's doing pull ups. Right. We see her doing a pull-ups. lot of pull ups. So like a, a thing that my body is like, oh no. Which, <laughs> James Cameron is a strange director. Because over his body of work, it's kind of inconsistent how strong the women in his films are supposed to be. Yes. Um, starting with another movie called The Terminator, which we were not going to discuss, to this well, film. Well, start in 79 with Alien. Right. 
Oh, no, that wasn't him. That oh, was he didn't Scott. do the first one? He did the second one. He did the second which one. Which has... Her doing pull-ups. Not, you're right, which has... Um, James Cam... Quentin Tarantino likes feet. James Cameron? Shoulders. I, uh, yeah, I didn't... He's into women's shoulders. Which <laughs> might explain a lot, because Jamie Lee Curtis is... Had the strapless dress in uh, True Lies. True Lies, but yeah. That was a film too, where I'm like, where's he going with this? Because these other films, he gave us strong characters, strong female characters who had developments. So remember, this is 1991. Um, 1991. So seeing a woman playing this kind of part, yeah, this was near to the world. But then immediately she falls apart. We'll get to it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we start like the the first big. Um, sort of action scene is the T-1000 and the T-800 converge upon a mall mm-hmm. where John Connor is uh, playing video games with at, a, at an arcade with a friend. His friend is stopped by the T-1000 and, ask, and he asks if he's seen him and he says no. And then he goes back and he's like, there's a cop looking for you because he looks right now like a cop. He's wearing right. um, uh Street cop, street uh, patrol, street patrol uh, uniform, no hat, but street patrol uniform. Otherwise, and so he's like, "Oh well, you gotta get the fuck out of here. I will um, try and distract him or whatever." And so he does that, and he tries to get out, and he doesn't. As he's running through, he does run almost headlong into the T eight thousand, which eight hundred, excuse me, which he recognizes because. He had seen pictures drawn by his mother. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, shit, you're real. And then the he, the T-800, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Terminator, pulls a sawed-off fucking shotgun and points it at John, but then says, get down. And then he shoots the T-1000, who's coming up the, the thing in the other way. And then at that point, he, it's a come-with-me-if-you-want-to-live situation. Right. He does. John Connor does want to live, so he does go with that T eight hundred, and uh, they do finally get. It's a it's a long set piece. They have to try like three different ways to get away from the T one thousand, and they finally do. Uh, at that point, he, John wants to go to his foster parents and warn them. He's like. Well, at least let me call them. Right. I mean, he doesn't. I like don't them. like them. They're douchebags or whatever. But they don't deserve this. to die. Like they don't. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So let me call them. And so he calls them from a payphone. He says they're being really nice. At which point the T eight hundred takes the phone and um, imitates his speech and asks about the dog that's barking, but he asks by the wrong name and then gets the response. Oh, he's fine. Don't worry about it. Just come home. We're worried about you or whatever. Mm-hmm. At which point he informs uh, little John Connor that your foster parents are dead. And then we go to see um, in the house of the foster parents, uh, the T-1000 has taken on the form of the wife and knifed the dad through a carton of milk and his whole head into the wall he's um he's made of liquid metal so he can just be a, a a sword sometimes and so sometimes he's a sword and this is one of those times he's he, he was a sword 
Yes. Is the dad. Who yes. Is always kind of a, he's not if he's not a bad guy, he's really good at being sort of a jerk. He has the kind of jerk expression on his face. He's really good at it. He does. Yeah. He's probably a nice guy in real life. Who knows? Probably. He's in a lot of stuff. So right. I would. You only work that much if you can get along with people. That's what that feels right. The Schwarzenegger wants to just run, and John is like realizes through their interactions that he has to do what he tells him. Mm-hmm. The T eight hundred has to do what John tells him. Right. Um. So he says, "We're going to get my mom." Now this happens after there's a, a sort of a inter a strange interaction where. He yells for help. People come to help oh, him. Oh, yeah. And then when he's like, no, it's a cool. They start getting mad at him, start pushing John Connor around, and then the T-800 starts smacking them around and nearly kills them. Nearly, nearly kills them, yeah. And uh, and he tells them to stop. It's and not he stops. cool. Don't kill people. Don't kill people. <laughs> so, so John does say you funny. can't kill anybody. Right. You can, I have to protect me, but you can't kill anybody. So he does end up like breaking the dudes, both of the dudes' legs or something like that. Like it's he's not not violent. He right. just doesn't straight murder somebody. Um and so they're they're gonna go they're gonna go to Pescadero State Hospital to to break out um Sarah. And you know, the T eight hundred says this is a bad idea, it's what I would I, I would I would have gone to your foster parents mm-hmm. and I would go to her because I know that that's what you're gonna do. Right. Um so we're we're walking into probably a trap. Just FYI. Also, your mom's not gonna be thrilled to see this dude. So they get there. Um this is when we see her say, but I've been on my best behavior for six months. And he's like, yeah, nah. And then she does attack him and then she is drugged and um, cuffed to a bed and then licked in the face by an orderly and you're just like, can't wait till that motherfucker dies. Because I'm not sure what that was meant to contribute to the film. That's um, the thing. Like, it's these things that they do to her character to diminish her humanity in these ways that don't feel necessary. I feel like... She's, all, she's already right. drugged and chained to a bed. I feel like it's, And then you need to sexually violate her on top of it? Like, it was some attempt at trying to... I mean, because this happens to women in hospitals all the time. Of course it does. As if we were trying to acknowledge that. At the same time, though, it's a... It's ham-handed. Well, it so doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the film. It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the film. There's no... Is it just so that it's okay when I'm excited to see this dude die in three minutes, which he's definitely going to die in three minutes? But guess what? I didn't need... I don't need that. Because, that that yeah. feels condescending as an audience member that you need to yes, make him an assaulter to for me to be okay with his death. Like, no, people I mean, die. About ham-fisted uh, Quentin Tarantino in Kill Bill. I have never seen it. Which so. is the the the, the man who uh, is molesting one of the characters every night, and then sells her, you know, her uh, her body. She's in a coma. Out to visitors. Oh, and that's just like what, the, and that contributes nothing, nothing to the rest of the film. No, no, she's just even more right. 
traumatized than even you think she is. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah, Thanks I, I, it's, what, but, for that. She can't catch a fucking break. Yeah. I don't, I also no. don't personally understand if you've got a women's hospital, why you'd have so many male, male orderlies. orderlies. Yes. I, size for moving of, of patients who can't move themselves, but to allow male orderlies around drugged and, um, restrained female patients. Right. Not that every person in this field could be a predator or is a predator, but everyone seems like it could be. And you're putting it in movies an awful lot. And it's not like there aren't dozens of cases every year of, Hey, how'd this woman in a coma get pregnant? Hey, how'd that happen? Miraculous? No, I don't think so. Let's do some DNA tests. Like, it happens regularly. Why are we still allowing for that? <laughs> um, but she uh, was able to palm a uh, safety pin. No, a uh, paper clip. Mm -hmm. I believe she's got a paper clip. So she starts working on her restraints. She's got a belt restraint. And fortunately, her wrist restraints and her foot restraints are like the like like a belt they're yeah. not chains or keys of any kind so she just has to get the belt off of her middle which she can she does with the paper clip and she gets herself out and she is i like watching her run barefoot through the halls of this hospital because she's very fleet-footed she's so quiet because she's barely touching the ground like her physicality in that scene is everyone's, very impressive everyone's physicality yeah is i mean i can go thinking uh, go back to images in the film specifically yeah and how impressive all of their their work was because i mean anytime you're doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one of the things that you're gonna or you're going to be in it and you you sort of like pump yourself up you're going yeah. to get into this sort of condition but on top of that, as an audience member, one of the things that you appreciate about this, or any of the, the action stars from back in the day, yeah. maybe not so much now, is just watching what they're able to do. I think it's still true of true action stars. Right. Not movie stars, mm -hmm. but people like Scott Atkins. Right. Who is an athlete. Right. People like Michael Jai White, yeah. who is an athlete, right? Um... I, even the kid that's plays Shang-Chi, right. like he's learned to do a lot of this stuff. Now, Chris Hemsworth, not really, but he's also not being asked to do a lot of that stuff yeah. in film. So it, action versus movie star wise, well, I think it's still, it's, it's, um, when I'm watching this film, I'm just kind of overwhelmed by the amazing kind of stunt stuff they do. Yeah. Because before this, I think is the scene in the, um, where, John is riding on the back of the motorcycle with with the T-800. Yeah. And they're being chased by a semi This is as they're coming out of the, um, of the hospital. Mall. Or the but, mall, yeah. And there's a scene where the they go into one of the um, drains in L.A., which are everywhere. I mean, I've been yeah. seeing those in the movies since then, yeah. back in the 1940s. Uh, and there is the what, culverts the, yeah. that where the the LA River runs, right. but it doesn't because LA is in the desert. <laughs> the scene where the truck they jump off the edge of the um, of an overpass on the motorcycle, which is an impressive enough stunt. Yes, and then there's the actual semi jumping off. 
Yes. And that whole scene works really well because you are, things that you mentioned, these people are not flinching. No. And No, that's the <laughs> thing, yes. So both of the actors right. did a lot of work so that they're flinching, they're they would have right. as static um, an expression on their face the whole time as possible yeah. because they're robots. They don't. Sound doesn't affect them in in a flinchy We're way. Told, they don't. Uh, that you, uh, what is it? That they register data that might be interpreted as pain. But is, right, right. But other than that, they, yeah, they're like, yeah, that would hurt. Right. Oh damn, that would hurt. But that's not, yeah, yeah. a thing. Um. So yes, yeah, so, she's running down the hallway. She's escaping the the. Uh, well, and I like. She's the, trying to get out. Just she just thinks she's escaping the hospital. Right. Which is also a prison. It's a prison hospital. There are armed guards here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she does almost straight up run face first into Arnold Schwarzenegger, at which point she has a full-on panic attack. Fair enough. Fair enough. Except you've really been trying for the last 10 years to overcome this. And you are immediately thrown into it. Now, anxiety does what anxiety is going to do. Mm. Fine. I think that... I don't... But the writers made this decision. I it's know. not true. It's not based in fact. I have a conflicted feeling about that. I thought that scene really works because the whole interaction between her and the first machine was just terrifying, right? So, as far as Linda Hamilton's performance... He, She's really... Here's where I think they let that down. What? Or how? Uh, she... Okay. Before this, she has been denied her mm-hmm. her thing, but she's also been interrogated by the cops. The cops have brought pictures of this person mm-hmm. or this machine right. um, who they think is a person right. to her and say, your son is missing... His foster family is dead. This guy was seen at the mall where he was last seen. So she has seen a photo of him that was taken in the last 24 hours. So for Mm. her to have, I feel like that undermines this. Because I think the reaction is pure and real and good. I don't think it's appropriate for the time and place that happens in this film. If that makes sense. If she had not been shown any photos of him, Mm -hmm. if she had been only shown photos of the Robert Patrick character, which she has not shown because they don't, he looks like a cop, they don't know. Um, They just know that this big motherfucker with a sawed off shotgun who was in, who is responsible, they say, Mm -hmm. for killing like 16 cops a dozen years ago or 10 years ago. So that's why he's of interest now that, and, you know, he, he may have killed some more people. Like today, um, but he hasn't. We know he hasn't because John kept him. Well, I don't know about any of those bikers surviving. No, that's true. Um, and but she has just seen this photo, and then he shows up, and then she freaks out. I and know. I still think it works as a moment, but yeah, well, yeah. So that's fine. So, yeah. but he that she ends up going with him. Uh, I think she is pushed into it by. The T-1000 coming and her son her saying, son, no, it's right. fine. He's fine. I got this. It's fine. He's not going to hurt me. Something's going on. Right. He, I, maybe I sent sent him back or whatever from... Right. And she is 
fluent she has enough like a in that. Split second to make a decision. She does, yeah. This one seems to be trying to protect her, and her yeah. son is holding on to him. On to, right. That one is killing everyone behind killing her. Everyone behind. Right. That's true. So they bounce. They get out, and mm-hmm. that's another extended um, chase scene because this thing is hard to get rid of. Like. Which was the, Forget the, about yeah. kill, but just to shake it. The virtue of the first film, which also borrowed from Westworld, that thing, it's like, uh, how are we going to stop this thing? It yeah. just keeps coming at you. Yeah. Uh, and then there... Oh, that's the other thing, is there's this weird voiceover at mm-hmm. various points of the movie. Which is, yeah. Which, like they wanted to be Blade Runner, there's just this voiceover that I... I don't know if it's continuation of the tapes that we were supposed to see at the end of the first it one, might have but been. we don't see any indication yeah. of that. We just have her voice over four scenes in this movie. And here's the, the issue is that when you do that as a screenplay writer, there's certain rules you want to follow in terms of continuity, which right. is if we're taking it from this is the experience that I had, then we have to take it from my point of view. Yeah. We can't jump into his point of view and yeah. that person's point of view and my son's point of view and whatever. Which is with, if we're getting narration from her, then we're seeing when the two Terminators arrive in their separate times. Yeah. We have a whole extended scene with John Wait, Connor. that's the thing. It's, it's like, the, the whole movie isn't from her point of view. Right, but it's just the stuff with her She's guiding over. along the story by... It's very weird. Yeah. yeah. And then seeing these, having these dreams of what happens that are treated like memories. Right. They're not memories. They're not even really visions of the future. I mean, they're imagination visions of the future. But they, she has, she was not shown any film. She was not, you know, she was just told mm. humanity was wiped out on this date. That's, that's it. That's what she was told. Um, so she has imagined all of these things that we are being shown as premonitions. And they're mm. not, that's not what they are. Right. Um, that, but she I, I has actually, this. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, that would be cleared up. I talked to you before about there was a cut scene from the film. Oh, okay. Where she's in the hospital. And it's really sad that they cut it up because it was Michael Bean came back to play Kyle Reese and tell her basically some the of the story. things you're she, Look, if you're trying to save your son, you have to save your son. Your son's our only hope. Why are you here? You have to get out and help him. And at the same time, she's like physically holding on to him. She jumps it. She doesn't want to let go. She doesn't right. have... This is like the love of her life, and she lost him the same day that she right. found out about him. So that she's now trying really... Like, she wants to hold on to him, but he's like, you got to stick to the plan. Yeah. And then he walks her out, or she he walks out of her room. She follows him, and that then the scene with the apocalyptic dream involving... A playground happens. Okay. And that makes a little more sense. That it made yeah. a lot more sense in the terms of the film. It also yeah. makes her more of a character because you're yeah. saying this is a person who's just she's broken, right? Yeah. And I wish they And we see her right. broken, but we don't see any humanity in there. She and just that's what, she's yeah. turned a lot to um prey animal um mentality mentality mm-hmm. because she's not on the attack in any way she's like no we just have to survive we just need to fucking keep our heads down and survive right. through 97 and then then whatever's going to happen is going to happen which feels pretty shitty anyways um well she knows that she's not going to make it because she obviously didn't send the terminator back 
you know, she's only going to make it uh, so far in this story. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, there's never said whether or not he tells her when she passes away. But, uh, but yeah, it's when I saw that, because I watched that scene today, I was like, well, that makes it make a lot more sense the, and the also answers thing, some of the questions like you're having about yeah. her humanity. But also, like, so we're talking about that scene where she sees him and she drops to the ground uh, and she just starts scrambling backwards, right? She mm-hmm. sees Arnold well, Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Starts, okay, we're she back. starts scrambling backwards. Uh-huh. So, and she, you can see real, Linda Hamilton plays that, that scene beautifully. Edward Furlong is in that scene. He sees how his mother responds to that. Why does John Connor in the future send this thing back? I see. And do that to right, his okay. mother. But, uh, see, That's so fucked up. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> speculate because we can, that's one of the things that people enjoy about this movie is the analyst speculations you can make about, well, why did he do this or why did that happen? Well, and, then why did they, I, I see then but if that's a reason that people right. like these movies, then why did they keep making the movies to show how... No, that's actually James not. Cameron they weren't even thinking about it. This, that one. He said he was done with it, and that Schwarzenegger was excited about doing a sequel. Well, I'm talking. I'm not even talking about those. I'm talking about Salvation. I'm talking yeah, about. But what I'm saying is that even th- he didn't want to go as far as this one, and yeah. the rest of the films were just sort of. And I, I understand that um, every time you travel back in time, you set up a new timeline. So well, they could all. It be depends true. if you believe in that. Right. version of time travel. Sure. <laughs> There's or, a lot of options for time travel. It, uh, was it C.S. Lewis or something who created a version of time travel where you can't go into the past because it's immutable? So That feels right to me. I feel like past. we could travel forward. I mean, we're all time traveling right. to the future. All of us right now. We're doing it. Look at us. We're doing it. Um, and I don't think you can go back. I, I that is my I have time travel. But thoughts, I mean, but it's, it's very funny. The person, the main character, I think, is like trying to eat a sandwich and he can't get his teeth through it because that sandwich was not eaten. Right. Years earlier, at one point, he's nearly killed by a rainstorm because the raindrops are following the same path they followed. Whether oh, or not they he was will there. slice right, right the right fuck through, through you. you. So Holy it's like being shit. shot. So I'm trying to remember if that was Lewis. It was somebody. Maybe Chester. That didn't also notice. seems like I I could see Asimov or Bradbury right. writing that too. But it's an interesting point of view. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. But anyhow, um, don't want to yeah. get stuck on because this is exactly what people, when this film was released, were just talking about. Talking about. Okay. Okay. Well, then I guess that's, yeah, I just, um, so they get, they escape mm-hmm. and we get this weird voiceover of like, oh, he found a father figure and it now, is this, this fucking is he goes Terminator. And <laughs> she finds Enrique. Well, yes. Is, the way that Latin people are used in these movies. Uh, before we get to Enrique, we should right. say that we've we've had one other scene with Joe Morton in it. He mm-hmm. is working at Cyberdyne. He has the original T-800's arm and chip. And here's the thing. Here's what's happened. Skynet is reverse engineered from the future because of fucking course it is. <laughs> right, which could account for why there's a T-1000. It's like there's a jump in technology because they had the thing earlier. At least that's the way. But again, that's just kind of speculation. Yeah, that doesn't even. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that makes sense because the only reason Skynet exists is because they sent a thing back. Which cool trip trick AI. I mean, 
But that's like aliens seeding the earth. That is the AI of the future going, well, they're not going to get to us for long enough. So go ahead and send a piece back and have the humans poke at it with a stick. Because when humans poke at something with a stick, they tend to destroy the world, which is (laughs) what they've done. So Joe Morton is is in a... um, is in a lab and he's working, he's doing a lot of work on, uh, on artificial intelligence, on computer intelligence. And, um, it turns out that he is the one who is going to turn on Skynet in 20, in, in 19, I think it, it actually gets turned on in like 1990. Is it early 97? August 29th is when mm-hmm. the nukes fly. But that's not, it's not day one. Yeah, the, the first thing that does happen is it, it, um, it's put into use as a defense system, then it becomes self-aware. It, it, yeah, everybody, basically everybody just hands over defense right. to the AI. Um, and then, maybe not everybody, but yeah, and then there's an attack, and then the counterattack just destroys everything. Yeah. Um and yeah, then there's the the trip to Sienrique who has all of her weapons buried under the desert floor and she talks about how hey, he's got a he's got a dad. Right. It's unlikely, but here we are. Yay. So but that convinces her that having a father figure who's not going and she she mentions that she alludes to her own past where she had been essentially hooking up with guys who could teach her something. Yeah. And yeah, and, he, and, and John goes through that, too. Right. So all through South and Central America, right. she was with various, like, militia leaders and shit. And revolutionaries. Were, yeah. and Right. And, and those tend to fall very quickly. Yeah. I, I think it's still the use of Latin people. In it's this very odd. Paradigm, yeah. It's really odd uh, yeah. because it's just sort of like, oh, they'll... they'll Go south of the border. Everyone there knows what they're doing. Um, and in, you're a white woman, so they would be absolutely like let you to ha- into their bed right. in uh, exchange for some some knowledge. I'm like, they would all think she was CIA. Wouldn't they? they? Would, she yeah. has a kid, so maybe that helps. But, but like, there's, there's I a, would presume if I was in Venezuela and this bitch showed up and was like, teach me how to do something violent, I'd be like, she's definitely in the fucking cia and i'm definitely gonna try be killed in my sleep like no you're not coming into my bed (laughs) i'm not sure if it's the the writings of people like kerouac or uh hunter s thompson even the notion that there's like a a, like a a a narrative that uh, people from the united states tell themselves about every place south of the border yeah it's all it's all easy. It's all chill, tinged. and they're really yeah. All There's cocaine tinged. as far as the eye can see. There's you know every time someone gives an emotional speech, there'll be a guitar playing in the background. It's like oh, the emotional guitar. It's it's just and that's kind of the narrative from *Romancing the Stone*. And what this is where white people come to discover themselves and their sexuality. Yeah, we do that with all kinds of. We do that with India too. We right. do it with Italy. We do yeah. We and do it with all while, kinds. Of, it was mostly because it was next door. This is yes, where you had this right, and it was exotic and strange enough, and also it was an easy enough culture to kind of. Explore because there are so many Spanish-speaking people here. Here, yeah. Made the transition, 
So Enrique is just this guy who has loads and loads of loads of hidden guns. But I don't. Th- I think those are her hidden right, guns. Right, her That's hidden guns. Thing. But like, why she was like, she... "Hold these for me," and he was like, but "Okay, right is, around my children. It's fine. It's totally fine." Why would you do that? That's I don't know. That's the thing. I'm right. like, these men know better. These men know this better. This man has a wife. Yeah, and she loves and the wife. children and children around. You're going so. Here we go. So we're that wasn't let... well, yeah. They they were. I do not think in any kind of a relationship. No, it's um, just like yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's very weird. Um, and the plan then guns, is man. they're going to take all of the guns and they're going to go to Mexico and they're just going to keep running and mm-hmm. they're just going to keep running. And then she has this dream of a. It starts as a, a a bunch of kids playing on a playground and she's trying to tell them to run. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, run where? Because when the bomb hits, everything is taking. Like, there's no. What are you gonna? What do you mean run? Like everything is instantly burned, and then the shockwave after that disintegrates everything. Um, and then she's like, I guess I have to go kill that scientist. And so she takes off in the middle of the night to go kill Joe Morton's character, whose last name is Dyson. He later on gave up his uh, attempts at building a perfect uh, skynet and started working on vacuums. Yeah. Yes, that's right. He's uh, the real Dyson dude doesn't look anything like Joe Martin. Um, they don't know that. And she shows up at his house and very clumsily, for somebody who has trained so fucking hard, this bitch is clumsy as hell when she gets into his house. She also doesn't want to kill his wife and kids. That's what it was. I think that... She was just like, well, I made a bad choice. I should have gotten him on his way to work. I don't know why I'm in his home. She does not want to kill him. No, and then she doesn't want to kill him, and she can't kill him, unfortunately. This is really good acting from her. The moment when she draws a gun on him, and and Patha Markison, of all people, is like... Trying to, like, don't kill him. And yeah. the kids uh, and Joe Morton's son is like, don't kill him. Yeah, as Joe Morton's son gets in between him and right. his gun, I'm like, child, uh, good childing, bad living. Get, stop it. Right. <laughs> um, there's a, that's, again, Linda Hamilton, very good at what she does. Because this, the range of emotions on her face. Yeah. When she's, again, looking at them going, what am I becoming now doing Yeah, this? right. Am I a Terminator? What, the Terminator if that, this is just what we're going to do, then why why does humanity deserve to fucking live? Well, yeah, and I think that made a, a really good point to what she was saying earlier, which is if, about a machine learning to be human. Yeah. And it's like, okay, then she's learned to become a machine. That's the thing. Like, this T-800, that's why John likes spending time with it, right? Like, right. he's teaching him, like, high fives. He's teaching him the different phrases, like... You gotta loosen up. You can't like you. You don't sound like a person. Right. So if you gotta sound, if you want to sound like a person, you gotta do this, that, and the other. And so he's. And then there's just different things like you know Schwarzenegger asks him why his face is wet, and he's like, it's, so he learns about crying because <laughs> sure. I felt that was a little bit too much. Oh. The way that it was handled was too much. I like the idea. I think the line at the end actually works super well. I wish they had taken the piece out in the middle. <laughs> because at the end, he says, I understand why you cry now. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, because it's it's something like, um, I can't remember. Edward Furlong in the first scene has a good line about what, like, it hurts, but it, 
but there's not like no way right. to do when anything about like, it. Just conversation like, when they're discussing like, do you hurt? When yeah, right. Because he got shot a bunch, a, bunch a whole times. bunch. Um, but they wake up. They had woken up and found that she was gone, and he, they knew that they he was she was going to the Dyson to Dyson's house. So they go and they find her, and at this point, she has relented her hostage taking and they have listened to her which this might be the first group of people that have listened to Sarah Connor's story mm-hmm. and believed it um and Dyson's like ah uh, well, we got to do we got to we got to shut it down we got to get Connor rid of everything we got to burn this whole fucking place gives, down is like the ultimate hat trick though which is to tell the T-8000 to remove the skin. T-800. T-800. Yeah. To remove the skin from his hand. That's right. So he's able to see that the hand that he's been working on and puzzling over in the lab... It's right here in front of him. ...is the same hand, yeah. and this is now belonging to him. And, like, suddenly he makes the connection. He makes the connection, yeah. And then he, then everything sort of falls into place, and right. he's like, we need to blow up Cyberdyne, basically. Right. Like, we need to break in, right. get all of the stuff, make sure it's destroyed, and then burn all the work. Like, we can't have this knowledge, because if we have this knowledge, this is where it's going to lead. Right. Um, I don't... Never mind. I'm not going to go into the time travel of it, but I'm, like, waiting for the T-800 to, like, fade away like Michael J. Fox in that photo. So then they're going to make a run for at Cyberdyne. They're going to go, they're going to break in, and they do. So the four of them break into Cyberdyne. They retrieve the CPU and the arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set explosives to destroy the rest of the lab. But then police are called because the silent alarm is triggered because they only tied up one guard and the other guard came back and found him. So the silent alarm is triggered. So they're not able to get everywhere they need to get as quickly as they need to get. And so the police show up, and they do shoot the fuck out of a black man, because of course they do. The police are the ones that Which kill Dyson. Is a really interesting scene, because it, it, they, yeah, they have him subdued, technically. Yeah, and then they just shoot him right. so many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, no, oh, look, 1991 police. Very yes. much LA, this LAPD. Is, this, is this is the Rodney King right. LAPD. This is not this a police is... friendly movie. But the, uh, the, you know, no, that's true. Your bad guy is mostly wearing a cop right. outfit. And I, I mentioned when we were watching it that this one in Blackula, where the last ten minutes of that film is just watching this character slaughter police officers left and right and throwing them around and throwing off catwalks. It's like this was a cathartic moment, I think, for people. Because, God, yeah, there's a lot of indirect kind of... On his way out, he does manage to detonate the explosives. So the three, John Connor, the T-800, and uh, Sarah Connor, are on the run, and they're being chased by the Mm T-1000. And he catches up with them at a steel mill. And at this point, the the T-800 is then mangled by the T-1000. In the fight, he 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 cannot keep up with what this other thing can right. do. And this thing catches him in, like, a vice, and it basically rips his arm off. Mm-hmm. Oh, again, this motherfucker can't hold on to his arm. Um, although, in the other case, he lost everything but the arm, so I guess... <laughs> um, so he loses the arm and then destroys its power source. 
So the T-800 is ostensibly at this point out of commission. And then he, because we found out earlier that the T-1000 can take the form of anything it has touched. And it has touched both Edward Furlong, because at the end of uh, the the first chase they had, um, John had grabbed like the up. Uh, there was a piece of it left on the um, like yeah. on the car. Um, it had made these hooks, and it was hooked into the car. And he rips it off and throws it. Well, now that thing has your signature. Right. And then I believe in the hospital, it touched um, Sarah, so it has her, her signature as well. So it takes the form of Sarah and starts calling through the steel mill, calling for John to come out. And I'm just like. I know the first thing that your mother taught you was don't come out in a situation like this. That's not me or I'm being coerced. Mm. But he's quote unquote 10 and doesn't know any better. And he comes out. um, And then as he's like five steps from her, she also appears behind him and she's like, shoot him. Like, (laughs) and he gets out of its way, understands which one's which and then she shoots the T-1000 a bunch of times. Now, meanwhile, the T-800 over there is rebooting. Bloop, 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 bloop. Rebooting, rebooting. And he does wake up. And he does come to where all the shooting is happening. And she has basically pushed this thing to be standing above a giant vat of molten steel. Which yeah. should take this thing out. But then, of course, she's out of bullets. Because, of course, she is. And then the T-800, Schwarzenegger comes up, and then he has a big gun. That's not a gun. That's a grenade grenade launcher. And he shoots it. He shoots the T-1000, and it tears the whole... Like, it's a cool effect, actually. This is probably the best effect. He looks like a tree afterwards. Like, his whole upper half has just broken into branches basically. His face is all sideways off Mm. of the the, the thing. It's it's wild. And then it does fall into the molten steel and it disintegrates. At which point, John takes le- the hand and the CPU from the previous, the 1984 T-800, tosses it into the molten thing. And they're like, good, we did it, we did it. And then uh, everybody, except John, so Sarah and the T-800 look at each other and they were like, oh, there's one more piece of technology that does need to be destroyed and it's me, I have to go in the soup. I need to go in the soup. And then John is like, no, stay with me. We can stay on the run and you'll never hurt anybody and it'll be fine. And he's like, nope, got to jump into the soup. But this is where he says, I understand why you cry. That's the only way to protect the future. And Sarah shakes Arnold Schwarzenegger's hand. It's big growth for her. So that's nice. And then... He can't self-terminate, so he has to climb onto a winch, and she has to lower his ass into the... (laughs) This is making me sad, but I still feel safer doing this, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and on the way down, he gives a thumbs up. Right. It's a real end-of-breakfast-club situation. It's also so calm. And then the end is is mirrors, I guess, the end of the first one where they're driving down the freeway, mm. and she has the, the last voiceover of the movie, and she has a renewed hope for the unknown future. She's like, 
I don't know what happens next. For the first time, I don't know what happens next. Um, and then she muses if T-800 could learn the value of life. Maybe also humans can do that. But guess what, guys? We can't. We're still real shitty at it. And that's the end of Terminator 2. Judgment Day. We're in Judgment Day. Doesn't actually happen. Well, but that's the point of the movie. Is it's you don't want to see Judgment Day, or maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe if you're storming a capital. I, I, it's not somewhere. a Roland Emmerich movie, so you yeah. know. Um, so did you find it thrilling? Sure. It was a fun watch, uh-huh. but I was just frustrated. I. You know what, honestly, I what like I would time like? Travel movies. No, I love time travel movies but, when they don't fuck it up. Unfortunately, right. they fuck it up most of the time. Mm-hmm. Two, I would have liked this whole movie if I could have voiceover of something else being actually said. If if the characterization and the plot was different, mm-hmm. but the visuals are the same, I'm on board. I just think that the way that they treat the, the female character in this is real fucking rough. Um, please stop trying to tell me that that child is 10 because no the fuck he isn't uh, and um, yeah I just feel like some of the the specific plotting and uh, dialogue is lacking for me not problematic just mm lacking so that's my that's my assessment what do you think thrilling are you oh yes it's thrilling (laughs) i mean there were parts of the film that i think i think they cut more than they meant to cutting the relationship between her and and kyle reese that was i don't think that was very smart (laughs) yeah because that anchors her to Especially because they paid this actor to be in this movie right. again. Like, why would you then not have him in it? Which is, is really odd that he came back for this dream scene. And the fact that he's... It, it also reinforces what's going on in her head, which is that she's in constant terror that this is going to happen. Gotcha. Um, and and then, oh, the, it is. But it also, the <laughs> first part of it where she's just like, Holding on to him, refusing to let him go. Yeah, is also is a scene that shows her that she has. That she had, yeah. That she because you don't see mm-hmm. feeling between her and right. her kid. You don't. You see him caring for her and wanting to protect her and be with her because that's his mom. Right. You don't see any of that from her. I, I think, and that's a bummer. And I'm right. not saying. Here's the other thing. I am not saying that she should feel that way. I'm saying I don't know if she does feel that way or not. I mean, I don't know if I'm Sarah Connor Mm -hmm. and I'm this far along in our journey if I don't resent the shit out of that kid. Why is this put on me? Why do I have to do I can understand her feeling that way. She didn't ask for this. Like, that child is literally nothing but the eventual death of her. Right? Which might be true of all children of us. But, like, I don't get the sense that, well, and we we haven't talked, we haven't watched the movie, and I haven't seen the original in a long Mm -hmm. time. And we're not going to talk about it much. But I, if from the the broad strokes I remember, I don't remember her character fucking jonesing to be a mom when we see her in that first movie. (laughs) So, 
Like, this miracle birth is not that. Right. I think she... Uh, so I just, I don't, and I don't know, we don't get enough of that. And I understand why. In 1991, we were not having open conversations about the different ways that mothers feel about being a mother. Right. That was well, not, I there's no way we could have done that. It would have vilified she, her immediately. She was. Sorry, our cat is being tortured by not being in this room, so you may hear her. I think that that her character experiences an arc just within this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree with you that she does not seem to be able to connect with her son because she doesn't see him as a son. In reference to what you see him early, said earlier, he's the Messiah. Yeah. Right? He's literally coming to save us all. Which creates a problem because then her relationship is that she's protecting him. Mm-hmm. She's not loving him. Right. She does not have a mother-son relationship right. with him. Right. So that, but act, he and, and maybe that's why he so desperately wants a mother. Right. I mean, he would do. He he's not see gonna himself as that. He never saw the, no. the destruction. And there's Edward Furlong is really good in this movie. There is a there is a scene in there uh-huh. where he's realized. So he has gone through being told he was the Messiah. Right. Yeah. And then being told that his mother was crazy. Yes. And therefore her, him hating her for raising her, him this way. And now all of a sudden, we need to... Everything we said about your mom is not true. And all the stuff she was saying is true. And that's a fucking whiplash. That, that's, and what interests me is that that scene, that that kid, this kid yeah. pulls that scene He off. does. He really does. Wait, 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 wait. This is all true? And he said, I, I, I'm always impressed when they actually put the words, I hated her for that, right. into his mouth. And he says it, and it's true. And I'm like, that's real. And I'm, it's brave for you to have a child right. say that about their parents. But it's real. That right. is exactly what he would have thought. And he yes. would have hate, hated her for dragging him all over the place and lying to him. And yeah, he sort of makes, he, he mocks her and yes. talks shit about her basically to his friends. Yeah. Because um, they're asking, where did you learn that? Oh, because I it's, it. right. he's just pushing it all down. And, and then when he finds out that she's true, it's like now, oh my God, I have to save her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then even even uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a really... He's a very interesting character physically. Yeah. I mean, physically, he looks... I remember reading one of the, the early reviews for Conan the Barbarian. was like, well, he looks like a cubist sculpture. Yeah. He's like all angles, angles. and He's a very and, angular person. And yes. so... I can Which is to, good for this because he's supposed to be right. synthetic. Yeah. And he does have a bit of a synthetic vibe to him. So does the young Robert Patrick. Robert he, I mean, excuse me, Pattinson. Yeah. Patrick, uh, Patrick. Patrick, yeah. He, um, he just looks very sort of pristine. Right. Right? Which is what I think just they were going dewy, for. Just dewy, good skin, hair not out of place. Like, he just looks pristine, but unassuming. Yeah. Which... Which, Which goes really, up against that that bulky... Yeah, and what really was kind of what apparently they wanted for the first film is to have someone who did not look like they can punch through a wall. Um, and Schwarzenegger looks like he can sell the idea that he can do it. But when you see the two of them struggling with each other and then he's just so hopelessly overmatched with this weird thing yeah. that can 
change yes. shape. It's it's actually really good, and it's a good performance from somebody who can't express any emotion. Yes. Yeah. During the course of the film, that's a really hard thing to yeah. pull off. Like, well, he's looking at it, and he's like, you can see the thought process, but right. it is, it is, and it. An intelligence looking at a situation going, I'm, I'm running the numbers and right. I am not going to be successful here. So, right. and he's constantly, what's the least not right. successful I can be he's here? Constantly, unlike the traditional Western hero, because this is a Western in many sure. ways, including location. Yes. He's looking at it going, and all the Mexicans. <laughs> How you can tell a Western Mexicans. He's looking at the situation going, um, I, I, unlike a Western hero who's like, I'm going to protect you and, and it is, it's very much like Shane or something. I'm going to protect you and your mom, little kid. And he's looking at it going, let's run, run. What are we going to do? We're going to run. We're going to run. Run as fast I can't and far fight this as we thing. can. And so, so if we right. can set up some sort of trap, like, I don't know, big molten steel pit or something, then, then, then we can fight. Right. But I can't. It's the least... All I can do right. to protect you is get you away from it. It is That's the, it. In a lot of ways, the least macho part yes. he's played. Yeah. Because his whole thing is, what are we doing? We now? gotta go. We're gonna run. But my we're mom... We're gonna create as big right. of a distraction as possible, and we're gonna get the fuck out of here. So what about my mom? Your mom's probably already dead, kid. Let's just run. He did. Run. Your foster parents are dead. Right. Your mom's probably already dead. If she's not already dead, she'll be dead by the time we get there, so it's he not worth not it. He does not want to face like, this machine. And so that was, that was a really... Well, because he knows as soon as he does face this machine, he has failed his mission. Right. So tactically, he can't face this machine. Yeah. And because he knows that's, that's game it. over, and his whole job is to extend the game over And, and maybe, maybe that's ultimately how I feel about it. Like a lot of James Cameron's movies, yeah, it's hit and miss in that there'll be some scenes that really, yeah. I mean, as as much as the problems he had with it, I really do like the scene where she sees it for the first time and just is. I think the scene is played well. I mm -hmm. think it is inappropriate to put where it's put, how it's put. And then he does cut out the scene involving Kyle Reese coming back to yeah, the that's weird. which was weird because it was... So I think micro, all yeah. good. Macro, problems. It's yeah, That's sort I, of how I see it. Right. I think it's also part of um, kind of a wave of time travel movies you had around the same time. Oh, is is that true? I, that I don't know. I'd have to look. Right. I, here's the thing. Let, let's do a little brief on time travel mm -hmm. movies first. We've done. We talked about it before, because Stephen King has time travel. We talked about time travel. I love time travel. I think time travel is fascinating. I think in movies, the two best ways to handle time travel are: it's time travel. We're not gonna fucking. We're gonna doodly doodly it. Mm -hmm. It just is. Don't fucking worry about it. Or you really have to think through implications, right. and you need to. Stick to whatever those implications are in the version of time travel that you're talking right. about. Um, and I think too many things want to do that second thing, get into a plot problem, and then tr then switch transition real quick to that first thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, you so got to do all of one or all of the other. Have you seen a film that works it out really well? Primer. Primer. Well, primer. Time is. Crimes. Oh, that's interesting, too. I hadn't thought of that. I think... Marvel does, did a great job with the multiverse and the endgame situation. Hmm. I, it's funny. I they made rules uh -huh. 
And then they stuck to those rules. And then when those rules fucked the character, oops, that character died. <laughs> Aside from Primer, I mean, I loved the uh, George Powell time machine. But that, again, is a different... It's a different... But that's fine, too. It's a different because, kind of story because it yeah. takes place so far in the future mm-hmm. that there's no way to get affected. Right. Future stuff is always, almost... almost you can do whatever. Right. You can do whatever. But... Because I, we don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. You're not messing a thing up. But, like, inevitably, it's the... First of all, I've never seen the hot tub time machine, but they, I think, do the first thing, which is it's a hot tub time machine. Right. We're just going to fuck around in this movie. Cool. Bill and Ted, great. Great. Because it's silly and it's goofy and it's not taking itself seriously. As soon as a time travel movie starts taking itself seriously, but then can't get itself out of its plot machinations, Mm -hmm. so it defaults to goofy and silly, I'm like, no, 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 no. You fucking cheated. You You decided to do the hard thing. You couldn't do it. And then you backed up and were like, no, 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 but we're just a silly time travel movie. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Make it consistent. I need you. I just, it's the same thing I want from any sci-fi. Mm. Give me the rules of your universe and then stick to them. I um, I think, I don't know that I've had a great experience with time travel movies other than, like some of the ones uh, I short, Not t- short term, 12. Uh, safety not guaranteed. Is another time travel oh, movie yeah. that I think is very good. I can't remember that. Independent. One. Most of the better ones are independent films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of fiction, um, The Sound of Thunder by Ray Bradbury. Yes, yes. Where they are so careful. Turned into a Simpsons episode. <laughs> turned into a Simpsons episode. Turned, turned into, into all sorts of a things. Film. The butterfly into, effect, right? Right. Well, Was the, basically that? The idea, the butterfly effect is. Putting something else, but the idea right, but they do that th- right. the same thing. Though, it's like I, I. That's how I mean. It's a great. Go read it. Go read it. <laughs> that's yes. a great short story. Is that your recommendation? That would be my recommendation. <laughs> okay, there we go. But uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those cases where I I think I appreciated the film more this time than I saw it. But again, it's just it's great scene, great scene, great scene. But wait, how does this wait? Why is she narrating why, the film? Why? But yes, yeah. Is she narrating the film? The more yeah, the voiceovers were baffling to me. Right. I was just like, what are we doing? And there were only four of them. Well, the other the, the one of my screenwriting teachers told me that you do the voiceovers when you don't think that people can follow the story. But the voiceovers in this are not plot related not at plot all. Related. So yeah, it they this was just I I think it might have been we're carrying this line through. Mm-hmm. The, all those voiceovers Shouldn't have been in this movie. They should be in whichever version of it. Is is it the Christian Bale one where he's in the future and he's right. listening? That's where those voiceovers belong. They don't belong in this movie. Right? I guess so. I've never I'm seen that one, so I don't know what happens. Right. I only know yeah. that Christian Bale threw a shit fit on the, on the set one day. That's, you to, you know what? that's what I know. <laughs> Everyone does every once in a while. Um, okay, so that's, mm-hmm. that's Terminator 2, Judgment yes. Day. And let's talk about August. Okay, what's August? This is the last movie of July. So okay. we're talking about August. August has four films. They range between 1944 and 1991. Wow, okay. So the first one we're going to watch is also from 1991. So we're going from 91 to 91 with one of our roommates' favorite movies, Thelma and Louise. Oh, That's wow. our next okay. film. Then we're going to watch 1949's The Third Man. 
I'm uh, very excited to listen films. to the Zim Zither. Uh, then we're going to watch 1982's Blade Runner. I don't know which version we're going to watch. We'll figure it out, and we will let you know. Okay. Um, because idea. there are like nine different yeah. versions of that movie or something. And then we're going to watch 1944's Laura. Wow. That is our that is our August. That's a good month. Um, so first up on the fourth is Thelma and Louise. That's what we're gonna watch next yeah. week. Until next week, do you have anything you would like to recommend? Do you just want to recommend the Ray Bradbury story? I want to recommend the Ray Bradbury story if you have not read it. Sound it's of Thunder, you said. Sound of Thunder. Sound of Thunder. And I would recommend Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, which we the just latest episode or the latest uh, series on Disney Plus, which was amazing. You liked it a I lot. Know, I did. I actually did. I spent um, there was a a period of time when, given my appearance, uh, yeah, I was taking a lot of cabs home from my job. Yeah, and I'd get mistaken by cab drivers for being uh, Pashtun. Yeah, and so they would. Uh, and the funny thing is they would sit there and they would talk to me about home. And at first they'd start speaking to me. Uh, and I'm like, I'd say. And like Urdu or. Yeah. yeah. And, or Pashto, the okay. language. And then at times I I told them, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Oh, really? And then other times after you tell them that, they would just be really interested in you and want to talk to you about, they wanted to talk about home. At one point I'm sitting in the front seat with a cab driver while he's <laughs> talking to me all about his kids and about his. Yeah. And so it made me do a lot of research. Yeah. And so the fact that we have a story about a second generation yeah. young woman who is Pakistani by birth, I guess. Her country has been separated. I yeah. Mean, the British have left. Yeah. The country has been divided. Yeah. And she suddenly finds herself... In Pakistan, and she's now a Pakistani. Right. Her parents still. She's have, Indian by right. blood. She, her parents still have Indian accents, and there was a complaint about that. Yeah. In in some of the, the oh, responses really? to it, it's just like, well, why do they speak like Bollywood actors? And then once you get past the third or fourth episode, you find out that her father's going. They just drew a line for us, and suddenly. And, the, and now we're in Pakistan. Now. Yeah. Right. And, or you're in Bangladesh, right. and it was like, yeah, Bangladesh. I was an Indian, right? I was Indian, and now I'm Bangladeshi. Like, and I, I like <laughs> the fact that, and I don't know, I know literally uh, nothing about any of that. Yeah, and so I really liked watching the show too and learning this history. Y'all, I don't need to see Uncle Ben die for a ninth time and tell us that great power with great power comes great responsibility. I would much rather learn yeah. <laughs> something new and see a new story. Tell me a different story. Right. And I, so I appreciated well, that I, for this. I really like the fact that as she's very charismatic as an actress. Yes, Iman Vellani. And I assume you're talking about actual right. Ms. Morrow. Okay. And she pulls off a lot of the humor really well. She's very funny. And, and she's a big Marvel fan. I think it's cool when they hire big Marvel fans like right. the dude that played Shang-Chi and, 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 and Iman. I, I like that a lot. Well, especially when you get into ethnic superheroes. Right. Because there's so little opportunity for them to, for people of color to see themselves. To see themselves, I know. So when they yeah. do, it's like, holy cow, what's, who's this And guy? then to, to believe that you could be that and right. then to be that is pretty cool. It's cool. 
But it's, uh, it, yeah, it, I don't want to spoil anything from it. There's a lot of family drama. Yes. But it's done in a way that's not sort of... Rote. Yes. Yeah. It, we're, we're not going to do this in a way that's meant to educate you. It's not like you're watching a, a very elongated uh, special on, you know, the, the breakup of India. Right. No, it's and not like medicine. No. But you will learn something. Right. And in that respect, especially, it really succeeds in creating this sort of likable hero. And a, you're also watching a Muslim woman doing her thing. She Yeah. There's a really cool scene uh -huh. where a woman, her friend, who right. wears a hijab, comes into her bedroom and takes off her scarf right. and just flops down on her bed. And I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. Because it felt very real and, and lived in character the character. is biracial. Yes. And so she says, I am wearing the hijab because I, at first I was wearing it because I'm not Pakistani enough for some people. Yep. And then it just And then it was, uh, now I'm, too, now I'm right. too much, right. But the fact that you can have that kind of discussion on a television program made about superheroes. It's very similar in that way to Falcon and Snowman, where you had them confront some very serious Winter racial Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Excuse we me. always do that. <laughs> well, because there was a movie It called is Falcon. the Falcon, Falcon and the Snowman. He, right. That's what if what is a Winter Soldier if not a Snowman? <laughs> a Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, covered a lot of territory about race in yeah. a really and the sad. Uh, it's had history of race here in this country. Yeah. And did it in a way that it's like, this is not all that the story is about, but we have to acknowledge the fact that Captain America is now going to be a black man. So, yes, Ms. Marvel, you should go see it. See it till the end. The last episode, there's a, there's a, a mid-credit scene that you want to see, and that apparently leads into the next Marvel film. But Yeah, the... Um... There is a credit scene. There's also a revelation in the very last scene of the show that is going to shake up the entire future of the MCU, yes, which I won't say, but it is a big fucking deal. So, And I started seeing things about it the day the episode dropped, so I was like, we got to watch the end of the episodes because I'm going to get spoiled. Right. So, Don't spoil me. What would you recommend? What would I recommend? I mm -hmm. would recommend the same thing I'm recommending to you. I'm recommending to everyone, and that is, in and of itself, on Hulu, it is a 90-minute, one-man show, magic show, uh, experience that you should see. Everybody should watch it. I don't want to say... he's. It's, it's a man named Derek Delgado, and he is an illusionist. And he performed the show 552 times in a black box theater off Broadway. Um, and Frank Oz came in and directed a, uh, and filmed a bunch of them. He's the director for this thing. Uh, and watching the show is not the same as experiencing it in the, in the room. And you'll see at the end why that is. But overall, it translates beautifully. It's amazing. You will not understand how he does the things that he does in it. Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, there is, just like if you went into a, sh a play, there is a, a title card that says, uh, take a moment to turn off your phone. 
and get rid of any distractions, I recommend that you do that. I recommend that you set aside 90 minutes and watch this thing beginning to end. It's it's an incredible experience. It's okay. it's amazing. So that is what I recommend. Um, once we watch it, maybe we we will talk about it. But I won't tell you anything other than you got to watch it, though. You got to watch it. You should watch it. All right. All right. Next week, we're driving off a cliff, baby. Thelma and Louise. I don't. I know Spoiler. I have seen this movie. That's still the only thing I really recommend or remember about it. I pieces of it will come to me. So. We're watching that for next week. We're looking forward to some empowered ladies. I don't think it ends well for them, though. Um, And then... Some sit there. So, that's what's coming down the pipeline. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching latecomerspod in the search... latecomerspodcast in the search bar. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod. I would like to remind you to take all of your medicines every day that you're supposed to. And we would like to remind you, better late than never.